You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. How's everybody doing this week? All right. David Hall. Hey, hello. Greg Hectus. Hey, guys. Kyle Pendigraft. Hey, hello, everybody. And Tony Groves. And Tony Groves. And Tony Groves. Oh, he's really there. The oh, hi. Show. Hey, there hey, he now. is. Jeez. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. The iRacing Coke Series is back again this week at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, and Evan Pasoka will join us to, to break down all the details, including some interesting post-race controversy. Also, David sat down to interview a brand-new iRacers Lounge podcast partner. And remember, you can follow along with us on your mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself the great topics and products that we discuss visiting iWrestlersLounge.com and selecting show notes. Hope to see you there. After a complete new build, GridFinder 2.0 is here and better than ever. Along with a brand new look, GridFinder has made leak searching even easier and much more enjoyable by adding more search options for the driver and giving league owners a better way to promote their league features and making it easier to connect with drivers with the brand new Join Now button. Make sure to check out www.grid-finder.com to find your place on the grid. Visit gridfinder.com to find a league or to upload your own. GridFinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. Well, let's talk Indy 500, iRacing style. Uh, we have the top split winner. It was Brandon Traino. He was a, he's the real-world tire changer for Joe Gibbs Racing, and he won his third consecutive top split 500 this weekend. That's amazing. I mean, it's such a competitive race, too. And for him to win, um, you know, three times in a row in the top split. And, and the other thing about the Indy 500 is you have to qualify in on speed to get that top split. It's not a traditional I-rating situation. Do you guys know what team he uh, does the tires for? It just said Joe Gibbs, didn't it? Yeah, it doesn't say which which uh, driver. Yeah, could even be Xfinity or trucks too, really. But that's a pretty impressive resume. Because that thing is hard to win, right? To win it once, yet alone three times in a row, that's pretty serious. Yeah, um, there's definitely some guys that really live for this race, and he must be one of them. But uh, yeah, congratulations, Brandon Trano. They did some nice social media uh, on Twitter. Uh, he put up some pictures of him uh, doing the burnouts on the bricks. Uh, and then iRacing did a nice uh, feature article about him winning his third straight top split Indy 500. I don't suppose iRacing has any kind of awards for something like that, do they? I don't know. But if I was IMS, the Indy Motor Speedway, or Roger Penske, who owns the Indy Indianapolis you know, Racing Series, I would do something, you know, and, and jump on that bandwagon, you know, send him a quart of milk, you know, for God's sake, and, and, and some roses to put around his neck, you know, and let him, uh, uh, you know, take a whole swig of the milk kind of thing. You know, it would probably cost him a couple hundred bucks or something. It'd be, it'd be money well spent. 
So uh, iRacing actually posted a poll on their uh, Twitter account, and they asked, uh, where did you finish in this weekend's iRacing Indy 500? So uh, what's kind of interesting is um, the choices are not like, you know, top 10, top 5. It's first or somewhere else. So uh, there were 1,650 votes, and uh, 27.2% said they finished first. Now, if my math uh, is correct, that comes to 448 people said that they finished first in one of this weekend's Indy 500. I don't think there's been that many splits or uh, races this weekend. I could be wrong. Yeah, but if you play with the numbers a little bit, I finished first lap first turn if that counts how many of them went to their wives and uh, told them that they finished first when they asked maybe that's what it is their wives don't need to be told what i was thinking is this kind of tells you how accurate some of these polls are right these twitter polls Good point. It's it's like uh you know these are the fishing story of i racing i uh, Indy five hundred results. Well, let's switch gears from the Indy five hundred and let's talk NASCAR. First time winner Ashton Crowder final time at turn four to his first win in the NASCAR weekend and the Monster Mile in two thousand and twenty is tamed by Nitron Garillo going to look to the bottom. It is not going to be enough, and Ryan Luza is going to go back to back. He steals the win at Thunder Valley. Welcome, the voice of iRacing, Evan Pasoko. Evan Pasoko, voice of eNASCAR, welcome. Hey guys, thanks uh, for having me on and uh, talking about that Indy 500. Uh, that was uh, a fun race to be on the call for for the first time. And uh, Brandon uh, Trano, so that was a guy. And uh, what do you know about him? Anything? Well, I know that he's not exclusively an IndyCar guy. He's been on the sim for quite some time. Um, I've been, uh, you know in the same circle ish as him i, I commented you know, commentated on some races that he was at way back so he's a long time vet um of the service and and i was relatively unaware of his apparent dominance um headed into that event of course uh, i was a late call up to fill in on the broadcast um but you know i just found it interesting that we had never gone uh, you know, uh, you've never seen any repeat winners uh, in the top split, the feature race of the IRAC at Indianapolis 500 up until uh, when he won back-to-back last year, right, uh, with 19 and 20. And then to get three in a row is really cool. Uh, I know that he's done a ton of stuff. Uh, you know, I heard you guys talking about his work uh, as, a, as a Cup Series tire changer, and uh, I know he, I believe he's done some stuff in some of the lower ranks as well. So uh, Brandon's a good guy and happy to see uh, him make some history. Yeah something else so let's talk the coke race uh uh at the uh, charlotte motor speedway longest race of the year let's jump into it lap one we have caution already Derek justice got loose clipped uh, john gorlinski and the duo spun off turn four then lap eight it was femi olak continued to battle uh, mitchell for second uh, lap 15 uh ray alfala running 10th er- earlier today he tweeted that panic mode has been activated and he was going full send yeah, Ray, um, you know, Femi, uh, there was a lot of drivers. Zach Novak was up in the mix, right, um, for seemingly the first time this year, finding, uh, you know, with a car that looked like it could win the race. 
um, you know, as he would go on to get his his first top uh, first top five of the year. Um, so there was a lot of guys re-included in that um, who had their best performances of the year in this Charlotte race. And I would have thought going into it that those drivers would have had that opportunity based on, uh, you know, it's a long race. Some drivers wreck out. You get different strategies and that's how people cycle through. But a lot of guys just had speed. Um, that hadn't had that level of speed yet this year. So that was cool to see. But, you know, with the wreck rate off of the bat, uh, this was a much messier Coke 300 than last year's, right? We only had one yellow. Our total number for this one ended up being seven. Um, and that was a, a big, uh, I don't want to say hindrance, but a big uh, factor in, in what happened with strategy in the race itself. Yeah, Brad Davies gets uh, two laps down after a penalty uh, for pit road violations. Um, that, you know, as we cycle into the green flag stuff, it was the first to pit, it was lap 50, Nick Ottinger, then lap 53, Mullis, Novak, and others, and then lap, lap 54, leader uh, Keegan Leahy pits from the lead. Yeah, Keegan um, was the dominant car in the first half of this one, right? Um, started on, on pole position, led for much of it, and uh, at this point, you know, we did start to see a little bit of strategy, some drivers um, coming down to pit road and, you know, we, we had the discussion, do you go for the three stopper? Do you go for the two stopper? Um, I was kind of hoping we didn't get yellows, right? I mean, yellows sometimes can, can have a benefit of, you know, bunching people up and making the race exciting, but um, I mean, I was really uh, interested in, in how those pit cycles were going to play out um, because I thought that was really going to be the only hope for somebody to get around Keegan because he looked great in that opening half. Yeah, other drama we got to see during those green flag stops, Stephen Wilson speeding on pit road getting in. Uh, that's a stop and hold for him. Big, lost a ton, and he was running good. And then trouble for Logan Clampett. He just barely tags those barrels uh, entering pit road. I mean, uh, another couple millimeters, and he would have been in trouble for sure. Yeah, I mean, Charlotte doesn't get the recognition, I think, as, as one of the tougher pit road entries that it should. Um, there's a lot of tracks where that pit road kind of slices off of the racing surface much earlier. Um, and you can, you know, get a little bit closer to the apron before you start slowing down. But especially now with that pit wall, which wasn't always there, uh, it's a tricky pit lane entry and it caused headaches. Um, you know, speeding penalties, uh, clamp it into the barrels, people getting run over on pit cycles. I mean, it was a messy night uh, for pit stops, which, uh, you know, makes sense when you sit down and think about Charlotte, but wasn't really something that I thought uh, was, was going to be an issue going into the night. We hadn't really talked about it until uh, it seemed like every pit cycle, somebody had some sort of an issue. Yeah, so lap 82 is 30 laps later uh, that the green flag cycle had finally finished. Keegan cycles back to the lead, Novak then Mullis. Uh, top nine are on a three-stop strategy, while Vicente Salas uh, was cooking, uh, leading the two-stoppers. Yeah, in a great spot, I think, um, to win the race. Uh, there's no way to, to look into my crystal ball and tell you if the three-stopper or the two-stopper would have won it. Um, but I think Vicente was making a great call, um, you know, already with a race win this year. Um, it seems like now with, uh, you know, nine different race winners um, that there's going to be a race winner that doesn't make the playoff grid. So those race winners need to start thinking about points. And maybe that's where you gamble a little bit more because there's two different mentalities one you can realize you're going to need points and you can points race or two you realize if you get a second win you're home free um and i like to call by vicente to go to go a little bit off strategy i, I talked about some of those other drivers who you know had their best mile and a half speed all year in this charlotte race and he was one of them and uh that's kind of what i was alluding to when i said i wish the strategy would have played out because a majority of the field on the 
two stopper against, you know, that group of nine, as you mentioned, uh, led by Keegan on the three. I thought it was going to be uh, a fun storyline to watch, but uh, the yellow flag would uh, change that. Well, that's it. So uh, cautions breed cautions, and we definitely proved that. But like you said, it was up to that point, it was, a, you know, playing out to be the two and the three stop strategy and it very interesting. But then it all changed. Ca caution lap 106, Ryan Duchette, he crashed hard. Uh, monitor went out on the backstretch and he lost control and crashed. Uh, then it was trouble for Vicente Salas. Uh, he had to pit the second time around and loses all his track position. Uh, it was Jimmy Mullis, Nick Ottinger, Bobby Zielinski, Garrett Lowe, and others took the wave around. Yeah, that was a weird uh, issue with Vicente where uh, he was had gotten so far just based on positioning um, and, and how that cycled through. He had to let the pace car by. Uh, and, and I guess sometimes the pace car does 150 miles an hour to catch up, and sometimes it, it only does 60, right? I, I don't know what, what makes it to do what. Um, but he was too far ahead of it that he basically came to a stop in turn four because pit road was open, but he obviously could not pit in front of the pace car that would be pitting out of position and it would have been a black flag. So uh, he had, he eventually coasted a past pit road before the pace car passed him. And then everybody else, obviously behind the pace car pitted, he wasn't able to, and he got caught out. And uh, that was far from the only trials and tribulations that uh, Vicente went through in this race, because he would, that this would force him to go to the back. He would drive his way up to the front, got a penalty, would go back to the, to the rear again and drive through the field. So I think Vicente probably passed more cars than anybody in the field tonight, but uh, just a shame that the luck wasn't on his side. Cause it would have been a great story if he could have been the first uh, repeat winner. Yeah, and then more restarts and cautions, 91 to go. It was Keegan Leahy, Casey Kerwin lead the field into turn one. Uh, and then uh, new leader Casey Kerwin actually clears Keegan at uh, 88 to go. And then Matheson gets loose and spins on the backstretch. Derek Justice, Bob Bryant also making contact, slowing for the wreck. And then another restart uh, with the X-Set team 1-2. It was Casey Kerwin, Ryan loses side-by-side side with 75 to go. And at this point, there was a little bit of, uh, you know, strategy left because with that much time in the race, we were thinking, uh, you know, is it going to be close enough for drivers to make it on fuel? A couple of drivers would then top off after that quick yellow and, and you know, make it a four lap difference or so. And uh, I think we talked to Casey on the broadcast and he thought he was going to be a little bit short because he would have been leading and, and unable to save anything. So there was still a question of strategy into this back half of the race, but uh, certainly once, once Keegan dropped off of that top position, uh, we just didn't see him get back out and dominate like he did in the first half. And after we thought we saw the biggest, biggest, big one at Coda, we get another big, big wreck. It's caution. Uh, Luza gets loose uh, up front in front of the field, and Mains uh, hits the wall hard, and it was just the hugest wreck. Yeah, they just ran out of space uh, in three and four, and Garrett ended up again into that pit wall off of turn four that um, is new after the Roval reconfiguration to the track and, and lost the front end of his car. And you're right, uh, they, they tried to, to make it big at Coda, but that was one of the bigger uh, intermediate wrecks. Normally, the wrecks don't get that big on tracks like this because you can just drive through the grass or drive down pit road or, you know, if it's on the backstretch, go down to the apron. Because of that wall, it really did block the racetrack and, you know, you, you had alluded to it earlier, cautions bringing cautions. Uh, it was a messy uh, Coke 300 this year, but um, that's where drivers, you know, had the opportunity to top off, some of them getting some repairs, and uh, I think uh, would have assisted anybody at that point to get to the end. 
Yeah, so restart, 67 to go. It's Casey Kerwin, Malik Ray um, up front, and then a few laps later, Keegan take, retakes the lead from Casey Kerwin. It's Vicente Salas. He has finally climbed back up to the fourth position. Um, and then, you know, Malik Ray was, or Malik Ray was running third. And then up front, Keegan Leahy is holding nothing back as it stands. Uh, they're all racing for second. And Keegan was just kind of driving away at that point, if I remember right. Yeah, that's actually when he got his biggest advantage of the race, right? So he led most of his laps uh, earlier in the race. Uh, didn't lead it, you know, for the first quarter, but but was pretty strong at that half. And at this point, uh, you know, finds himself cycling back to the lead. We know, of course, he's going to have the speed out in front of the field and and was pulling away. But but to be honest, I never had the feeling when when that was happening, like the race was over. Um, you know, with the yellows that we had seen, um, I, I just didn't think that they were going to hold on to it to the end of the race and. Uh, you know, Keegan certainly would have appreciated if they did, because that was probably one of the larger intervals for the top spot we saw all night. But uh, for whatever reason, there was almost a sense of inevitability that, uh, it, you know, we weren't going to get to the end uh, on that run, at, le at least from our perspective. Yep. And then caution again, it's Ashton Crowder as he tries to pit and gets ran over by Jimmy Mullis, who had no idea because Ashton did not call it out. In fact, I think in the interview he was saying, he didn't even look up to, to make sure, you know, uh, or something like that. Uh, he was hoping that they would miss him kind of thing or something like that. But anyway, it was a huge wreck. Uh, Mitchell uh, was involved, uh, Blade Wit as well. So that was a bad deal. Yeah, that's, what, you know, the, the continuing issues on Piron. And I think the story was he said um, that he may have said he was pitting over the radio and, and admitted that he said it a little bit late. Um, certainly didn't say it over text because I was able to check the text chat to see if, if there was a missed signal there. But um, and you heard Ashton say that it's kind of funny that the system is, you know, you can pit from the bottom lane of the racetrack. And as long as you give a heads up, you kind of just expect that the guys behind you are going to uh, get around you. So um, I don't think that was a, a Charlotte specific issue. I think that's just not uh, giving the guys behind you enough of a heads up. Um, not that, you know, it, I don't, not that it's 110% his fault, um, but I think that you do need to give the guys behind you as much uh, of a heads up as possible. We've seen incidents where people do give, you know, two laps a heads up and they still get run over. So it's not uh, a guarantee that saying something over voice chat is going to help you out. But uh, I think Ashton probably uh, in retrospect would have wanted to give him a little bit more time on that one. Yeah, and this is about the point of the race that the space station people and the Malik Ray uh, fan group about ready to lose their mind because he's up there battling for the lead uh, with Keegan Leahy, uh, 32 to go. And then another caution is Chris Sherber, and he gets loose clearing up, uh, and Brad Davies gets annihilated. Uh, Vicente Salas' night goes from bad to worse as he took damage as well. Yeah, that's just um, the kick in the gut for him, right? Um, had driven through the field just to drop back, just to drive through the field again, just to to get wrecked out. So uh, not going to help Vicente on the points, but I think that team's got a lot to be happy about. I think the, the best, you know, aside from the fact that he literally led every single lap in his win, and that's the first time anybody's ever done that in an oval race in this series. And we talked about that quite in depth after that Richard race. Aside from that obvious point, um, I think it was by far Space Station's strongest performance on an intermediate this year. Yep, and then the uh, fever pitch for Malik Ray goes up at 27 to go as he takes the lead and the big one behind him. Space Station actually said on Twitter, uh, Malik has taken the lead while they wreck behind him. Uh, as Keegan loses the lead uh, out to Malik after getting loose, uh, Isaac Gann also gets loose, loses it, 
and Bobby Zelensky and more are involved. Yeah, Keegan, I, I was almost joking like there was oil on the track, right? Keegan got loose, and then with the wreck actually happened a couple of rows back, somebody else got loose to kick it off. It just everybody got loose in the corner, um, and Keegan was able to save it, but he would fall from the race lead down to fourth position, um, and that handed things off to Malik with a you know a real good opportunity, seemingly with the speed uh, to get the job done, not to you know spoil it for those who, who may not have missed the race, but of course, you know, it's a race that Ray Fallow goes on to win at this point. I don't think we had even considered Ray as a, as a threat, right? He had speed all night. Don't get me wrong. But um, at this point in the race, we're thinking it's going to be Malik Ray or, or Leahy is going to come back through the field or it's, you know, going to be somebody else that, that finished up at the front of this one. Uh, you know, it could be loser just as easily. Could have been Novak. I know we mentioned uh, some of the other names as well, Casey. But at this point, late in the race, Ray's not even on our radar. Exactly. Yeah, he's hanging out and saving tires, I believe, um, because it's 22 to go on this restart. Uh, it's Malik Ray and teammate Ryan Luza. As they lead the field, um, get Michael Guest third, Lee was fourth, and Ray Alfala fifth. And uh, they were side-by-side side up front for three laps in a row, I think. It was Ryan Luza uh, trying to take the lead from Malik on the, uh, on the outside, but Malik eventually holds it. And, and you noticed when we were watching the camera of Malik, he was taking his hands off the wheel, like yeah, bold <laughs> in, uh, down the front stretch or down the back stretch, like to take a break kind of thing because he was so focused or something. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I've seen people, you know, take a hand off the wheel to fist pump coming to the line. I don't think I've ever seen somebody take both hands off the wheel. Um, well, they're still fighting to defend the race lead. Um, that was uh, pretty crazy. And, you know, Malik's one of the most colorful characters in the series. You watch any of his Twitch streams. Uh, it's a blast uh, to watch him on, on, on Twitch and his reactions and uh, really how much it means to him to, to fight for wins with the emotion um, that he shows. So uh, we got a couple of real good looks on the onboards there. But I, I can't say I've ever seen somebody take both hands off the wheel in the middle of a, a fight for the, for the lead like that. And, you know, looking back at it, I feel like this was the moment of the race where it turned because both Malik Ray and, and Ryan Luza burned up their tires fighting each other for the lead, um, I, I believe, because 12 to go, Ryan actually reported that. He burned up his uh, tires and he started fading. And then Michael Guest also had problems with overheating. I don't know, maybe he taped it up on one of the stops. I don't know. And then 11 to go, uh, you know, Alfala clears Michael Guest for third. And then Ryan, uh, then Ray Alfala gets to Luza. And then eight to go, he gets to Malik. And then seven to go, Ray Alfala gets the lead and pulls it away and wins it. His first win in, I think it was 364 days. Yeah, almost to the date. Um since his last win last year, almost a calendar year, um, you know, getting the, the race win on uh, Tuesday, the 25th. And his last win was uh, May 26th of last year. So almost a year to the date, 364 days later. Um, and now Ray is a winner. And I think the, uh, you know, something like the 11th different uh, season or something like that. I'd have to double check that, but you know, 19 was the only season that he hadn't won a race in. Um, so good to see him get back into victory lane. Obviously exciting to see that we have a ninth different winner in nine starts. Um, it continues to be a historic year, but, on his charge to the field, he he must have done a great job of saving. 
um, because he got by, by those guys with ease, right? We saw so many times tonight drivers able to defend up on the outside of the racetrack and maybe not necessarily fight off a, a, a battle, but at least, you know, give them trouble for, for two to three laps. And uh, Alfala just drove by him like it was nothing. And uh, you could see pretty clearly, um, you know, I think for the sake of the, uh, the storyline, we were hoping that maybe Malik could get back to him. Um, and challenge for the lead, but you saw Malik knew um, when Ray looked up top, that didn't happen because the lap traffic thought, all right, this is maybe going to help Malik. Ray gets to the bottom, gets past him, and, and you can see Malik's reaction. I think at that point, he knew he didn't have the car um, to mount any sort of a, a counter challenge, and, and it was pretty much done as soon as he cleared him. Yeah, yeah, you could see the enthusiasm come out of uh, Malik Ray's face uh, when he knew there was Ray was pulling away and he wasn't going to catch him. But uh, it was it was a feel good story to see Ray get back to victory lane uh, with all the trials and tribulations that he's had through this year and even last year. Um, it's nice to see him rally and to see if he can make it to the playoffs. Yeah, and, you know, he's going to have uh, – the point that we made closing the broadcast is that the points for the win, ironically, are more important um, than the win itself, right? Because um, Ray was was 36th, and he's still 31st. Um, it is a big challenge. I believe he's about 35 points out of the top 20. Is that doable in, in five races? Absolutely. Um, he's got a real good opportunity to do it. But I don't think he can have two races where he's finishing down in the 20s. Um, he's going to need to have this speed night in, night out. And again, it's it's not like he can just get that second win that a Vicente or somebody else could get and lock themselves in. It doesn't matter if you got five wins. As long as you're not, 20, you're not top 20, you don't get in. So um, that's going to be a fun storyline to follow. Um, you know, Ray mentioned that panic mode button was pushed. He sent it and got a win. Um, hopefully he's got a couple more of those to push over the next few weeks. It would be uh, an incredible comeback for how poor his first half of the year was um, if he could pull this thing off. Well, you know what? You know, I, I was thinking Ray's being, being pretty ballsy. He's like almost calling his shot here before the race when he said that. And and for him to close the deal and get it done, I'm, I'm very impressed, Ray. Um, now, the next thing, Evan, is so that was Tuesday. Let's fast forward to today. And uh, Evan, you were one of the first people to public uh, public announce on Twitter that uh, the Coke Race Series has now added a drop week. And um, and let's talk about how the points implications will play out later in the show. We're going to talk about the logistics of why there's a drop week and Tony Gardner's uh, response about what that all what that's all about. Yeah, so this is going to be a really um, interesting dynamic, right? So IRAC released a statement um, that, that they took a look and, and found some differences in some of the aerodynamics that were assigned to the, the Cup Series Camaro um, that weren't assigned um, to the Camry and, and to the Mustang. And um, IRAC, in a sense, said in further statements, you talked about that Tony Gardner, Tony Gardner statement. Um, where, where iRacing said that it was a future um, aero package or draft model aero kit, you know, whatever the physics are that they assigned to that race car um, that was accidentally put on it. And we didn't notice it because we raced at a road course last week. Um, so I guess the whole story is, you know, they didn't really know about this until just before race time. And uh, that's why we saw some drivers change manufacturers. Others didn't because of, uh, you know, contract obligations between teams and sponsors and, and Chevrolet. But uh, just a weird thing that we've never seen before 
Um, and because of that, you talk about the drop. So iRacing is going to add a drop week to the regular season. So instead of us counting 14 weeks and all of those points going towards it, each driver's lowest finish um, is going to be removed. That could help somebody like a Real Fala, who has had uh, several instances um, in where he has not had a very good night out, right? So this could play into his favor, but in theory, it's going to help everybody, right? Um, so it might help this driver more than that driver or this guy more than that guy. It's not going to be totally even, but if you take everybody's worst race out roughly, it's going to help everybody a little bit, right? Um, so I think it is going to have some point implications. I don't think it's going to be huge, um, but if it swings five or 10, which I think is going to be about the range where uh, it makes a difference, uh, that final position um, could certainly be in the five to 10 point range. So just because the point implication itself isn't going to be huge doesn't mean the product of that change um, isn't going to be consequential. So uh, it'll be something interesting, certainly, to follow through the end of the year. It's unlike anything I've ever seen and um, could have an impact on on who ends up in the, the playoffs, depending on those margins. And, you know, of course, if we, we see more than two different, more than one, I guess, different race winner, if we get to that magic number 11, um, then those race winners are going to start looking at what is my worst result of the year. It could certainly help out guys that are, you know, not the road course guys. You're going to drop off your worst road finish. Could help in a guy that gets in a wreck uh, at a plate track. There is no real uh, template um, to say who it's going to benefit and who it isn't. But uh, it'll make a small change in the points, not huge. Uh, but that small difference uh, could be the difference between someone fighting for a championship or being top 20. Yeah, yeah it's does that, very hold interesting. On. Mike, while he was talking there, does that going to make it difficult on that last race for you to figure out, like, you know how you had the points standings changing as the race is going on is it going to be harder for you guys to follow that in race probably basically impossible um we had just gotten that ability of course to do the live points right and i don't think what we can do is we can set um we can basically show the points when we get to michigan including all the drops and we can probably do our research and say these are the points with the drops and then I'll probably go through and look at what each driver's worst result is. Um, but I don't think we're going to have any way because of this change to do live points um, at the end of the year. We'll certainly have the information and give it our best shot. Um, and we'll probably have the official points not that long after the race ends. Um, but it'll make our math up top <laughs> certainly a little bit more complicated, which, uh, you know, I'm looking at a lot of numbers as is normally. So it'll be uh, an interesting challenge. But yeah, it, it'll make things a little bit more difficult for us. Yeah, the calculators will be burning for sure. I'll get one for each hand, and then we'll do our best. Well, it's certainly interesting, and we'll talk some more about the implications of the Chevy there uh, later in the show. Uh, Evan, let's talk to the future. Uh, what do we expect on the next next race, and uh, what do we got coming up? Yeah, we got a bunch of time off, uh, right? We just went for, for two weeks in a row, um, and we have uh, the next three weeks off. So uh, enjoy a bit of a, a break on Tuesday nights, uh, kind of our de facto summer break, if you will. And um, then we got uh, three races until the All-Star race. So we're going to be back uh, uh, for another doubleheader two weeks in a row, uh, June the 22nd at Pocono. That's going to be a 90-lap race, um, another road course race at Road America on the 29th of June, a week off. And in New Hampshire on July the 13th. So uh, Pocono's uh, one of those unique tracks where uh, it doesn't have much implication in terms of, you know, if someone's good at Pocono, what can we read into that, right? None of the playoff tracks are like Pocono. 
it's very a standoff race. Could be an opportunity for one of those mid-pack drivers to really figure something out and get a win. Uh, 90 laps of Pocono can be long, though. Um, so that race might have a tad of attrition. Um, I still don't think these guys have quite got it 110% with how these cars specifically drive at Pocono with this current package. So uh, it'll be a fun one. And of course, um, why why quit talking about it now? Uh, we've been doing it for a few months. Could we get uh, you know a 10th different winner in 10 weeks? There's only one spot available uh, in the playoffs based on points. Of course, that's with a big if. That is if Ray Alfala, um can get to the top 20. So technically speaking, he's not in the playoffs yet. Um, Guest in Wilson would be the number nine and 10 seeds uh, as the points sit right now uh, based on points. Yeah, and I'm going to be looking at Stephen Wilson as a winner for Pocono. I think uh, he's hot right now. and He was great in Charlotte, too. Yeah, yeah. So we'll be watching him, and uh, we'll see you uh, after the break, Evan. Thanks for coming. Sounds good, guys. Happy to jump in. Take care. Let's do a deep dive, guys, into the Chevy deal. Um, timing, I mean, it happened, like, like Evan said, about an hour before the race. Uh, some of the drivers noticed, um, told iRacing about it. They went ahead with the race, um, and then we ended up with a uh, a patch uh, that was announced. Um, and basically, it said in the re release notes, multi-car drafting performance for this car has been adjusted on oval tracks. And it was only the Chevrolet Camaro A-car, not the Ford or the Toyota. Now, <clears throat> before we dive into all, all the details, guys, We've always operated, ever since I've been in NASCAR on iRacing, I've been told that there's no difference, no difference between the Ford, the Toyota, or the Chevy. You can pick any of them, and it's just a graphical difference. And we've lived on that for years. And now, all of a sudden, I, we learn that it's actually possible that that's not true. And in, in, in this case, we went almost a month with it not being true. So what are your thoughts about that? I think it started becoming a thing when these cars started having side drafting and stuff probably, right? It gets, once the arrow changed where we are starting to be able to manipulate the air, they're gonna have to have their own different characteristics or something there and obviously there's always going to be code for three different chassis, but like they said in the one thing, they've, they actually just clicked a setting and it went in into the download and, and got downloaded by everybody. So all it was is basically just a file type that went in. It doesn't mean it's it's their cars are different. It just means uh, for that car, they just had clicked the wrong package on for it. And I believe the date for the the change was the 17th so it wasn't quite a month it was 10 days it happened during code a week so there isn't a as far as timing goes i mean we had a nice video from david childhouse who's a spotter for parker kligerman coke team um basically detailing out what the issue was what the timing of it was um he was critical and i think uh, correctly of iRacing and their lack of communication about the issue, but it, there's a lot of players involved, and I and I can understand why it might took them till Thursday to announce anything publicly about this, and and they did um, earlier today. Uh, we do have a letter here from Tony Gardner. I'm going to read in a moment, but 
Um, what about the timing, guys, of communication? I mean, should they have come out sooner? I mean, a lot of people were thinking, you know, why are they being silent about this? Is this how they're going to roll, you know? Well, the, the answer of why is pretty simple. Money, right? At first, I didn't think they should have even gone with the race, and I'm still not sure that just putting in a drop week is, is a completely equitable solution because every one of the Chevys is basically having to use their drop week, right? Um, but yeah, it came down to money. It was a situation where they got a show to put on, and uh, that show outweighed letting everybody know that there was a problem. They had no problem announcing that there was a problem with the uh, Delara jet car, right? They had that running on the banner. Uh, I was running an A-Open race at the same time the coke race was going on and was experiencing the same this very thing because we had not gotten wind of this yet but uh i ran a race and was struggling with this loose end condition and morley usually goes back and looks at my telemetry and he's like oh yeah you're not driving in deep enough and i told him well i can't drive in any deeper because it's unstable um and then about 30 30 minutes later because he's usually looking the next morning at the telemetry he's like oh look at this and it is exactly what happened because after the patch i did not have that loose end problem now the other thing like what if this didn't occur in the coke race what if they found this afterwards did the thing and people were complaining about it do you think they would have apologized or is it only the apology happening because it happened in the coke race I think I, they apologized. Yeah, I think they apologized because it was public, whether it was the Coke race or not. But just, they came out and apologized when they had the trouble with the Daytona launching, right? Remember that fiasco? And you gotta, you know, you gotta remember they they have partners. They have NASCAR. They have Chevy, Ford, Toyota. Uh, I'm sure that you know these guys were going as fast as they can to you know make sure all the share, shareholders are involved in the discussion, you know, before anything public is announced. So I'm going to go ahead and read the uh, apology letter. It, it's got a lot of good information, and and I think it, it's worth it. So I'm just going to read it, and it's from Tony Gardner, the CEO. Um, he says, good day. I want to sincerely apologize to the members, especially those who complete in series that involve the NASCAR Cup cars. Drivers in the Chevy Camaro ZL1 were at a slight disadvantage to the Toyota and Ford cars in that series since May 5th, 2021, especially at tracks in which aero matters more. All the NASCAR Cup cars have identical physics, or at least they did up until May 5th. What happened on May 5th is we accidentally checked in a development aero file into a patch intended to be a member patch for the Chevy Cup car only. There are hundreds of files that we merge and don't merge when we do a software update. We are extremely diligent and have a very solid process when we are selecting files for member updates. In fact, I can't even remember this happening. It is also why we move from test environment to test environment and finally to members, testing and doing QA along the way, obviously. For major updates, we branch off from all other development for weeks before a build as another pr protection. For small patches, the timing works differently, obviously, and it is why those updates are very small and focused and conservative and aimed mainly at fixing bugs. The error was not caught in QA and on the member site for almost a month. When we screwed up and are reviewing our file merge process and policies, we can take the process a step further and we will as another safeguard. So I was uh, wrong with the date I was given of the 17th, going all the way back to the May 5th. Doesn't that affect Do both uh, Darlington and Dover as well? Yeah. But he said it only affected the other thing because 
it could be just a, a certain like a 1.5 mile track it gets triggered at or something like that a certain certain distance track it gets triggered at well yeah actually because dover and darlington were both uh the low downforce package right yeah now from a software development company point of view i want to point something out there's a lot of haters out there that probably say they should do better and they shouldn't screw this up and i'll say to them if you want a company that's going to promise not to do that there's going to be a lot more q a there's going to be a lot less releases they're going to be a lot less agile to changes on the fly that nascar and other series actually require these days um and we're blessed to have a development company that can can react so quickly they found this problem tuesday night they had it fixed you know, by I think it was Wednesday uh, or Thursday. So the the timing, you know, even though, um, you know, they might miss some stuff sometimes. I I think the trade off is, is still worth it. I think it's better for them to be agile and to get changes out quick. Well, and anybody that wants to complain about uh, having this, you know, this problem. Looked at, you're probably looking at your phone reading this and realizing you either have a, a Samsung or a, an Apple who automatically slow their, their phones down on updates permanently to do things. Like there's company, this, these, this company cares about their product. There's other companies out there doing things to you and you guys just, and people look it over. So, you know, in 15 years, that's the worst thing that they've had happen. Um, I, I mean, you gotta, you gotta realize it's gonna happen. Things like this happen. Yep. Um, so let's talk uh, some more of the letter here I'm going to read. It says, about an hour before the Coke race Tuesday night, drivers notified us there was a problem, scrambling to verify the problem and communicate. With the feedback we had in 15 years of experience of making these occasional decisions, we made the call to run the race. Understandably, we could always void the results after the fact. We decided to let the results stand, but added a drop week. So let's break here and talk, is that the right thing to do in this situation i think it's reasonable i think what else could the the um the drop wheat's a band-aid it's not no one you weren't going to have anybody um happy about it i mean if they're off for the next couple of weeks you, you think they could have just rescheduled the next week but then you got then we're talking about you got sponsors and all that other obligations that they have um going on so maybe they didn't really have a choice to, you know, they, they said they do, but you know, there is some implications of things could go bad if for them, maybe money wise, if they're not careful. And does the drop week also account for the fact that it's when in your end, as long as you're in the top 20 in points, right? The Chevy's had no chance to win in this race. So it's not really a valid race. Would have been better to postpone the race a day or a week. I mean, considering they have three weeks off, they could have, probably have postponed it and got away with it yeah i'm gonna agree with david on this um if if they were pretty sure there was a problem like he says in the letter you know an hour before the coke race if they know there's a problem that could affect the um the balance uh for the for the uh for the race i think you just gotta you gotta postpone it or do something like that it's it's you know, too much is on the line. Um, and I understand they probably have sponsorship issues and, you know, all that stuff, but I don't, I don't think that would be as much of a detriment to postpone it as it would be to, you know, to have a race count. 
in, in essence, in your in your overall standings, that wasn't done with um, with equal equal cars throughout the field. And I, I kind of think that should have been postponed. Yeah, we're talking about a three hundred thousand dollar prize pool too. I mean, there's some serious money on the line here. Now, now my question is: Does that uh, does that kind of leave it open to the feeling like if if all of a sudden one car stronger each week, are they going to question it? You know, are guys going to put the same setup in three different cars and see each time they practice which one's going to be the fastest car? Hell yeah, I see Mike Marley doing that already, probably. Because now can can we trust it? That's the whole thing. That's what I was started this out with, is we've always trusted that they've been the same, and now we have an inkling that there's a chance it can't be the same. So do we need to test for it to make sure? You know, because I don't because we don't want to trust it. I mean, it's one of those deals. All right, I'm going to get into the last part of the letter here, the apology portion, basically. And he says, we're transparent with the driver's teams and posted on the private forums yesterday morning and had a call yesterday with NASCAR, and we apologize to them as well. I just want to apologize to everyone who was involved in that series and to all members who have competed with those cars since May 5th. It was just a simple mistake, and we have no excuse. It is now fixed on members. Uh, the integrity of the competition is super important to us as is continuing to improve the quality of the sim. If anything, we are adding even more resources aimed at these objectives. We hope you will notice the results in the month and years to come. Again, our apologies and thank you for being members. We know you have many choices. We will be working hard as ever to continue to improve iRacing. Tony Gardner, the president. So you have to take into account the 24-hour news cycle and how everything is so instant in the Internet world today. They really actually did respond to it fairly quickly, even though for, you know, about 12 hours of there, it seemed like they were they were kind of sweeping it under the rug. But pretty quickly, they were on top of it. Uh, on that token, I do. I think the drop week is better than nothing. Um Though I would have, I would have preferred to see it not count or be rescheduled. But do bear in mind that, I get, yeah, they had to have a little bit of time to to get it, get it all put together instead of necessarily just instantly saying oops. Though those of us running a open on Tuesday nights, we're definitely experiencing the the same problem. Well, devil's advocate, you know, if we did what you just said, David, how would Rayoff Alafil? or Malik Ray, who finished second. I mean, and, and they would, you know, to invalidate the, those results, I don't know if that's fair to them either. But they're not having to race everybody. It was not a full field, basically. Well, and the other thing is those two drivers are usually in the back half of the field, right? And all of a sudden they weren't last night. Just chalk it up as a, as a, it got rained out. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine, um, let's say something crazy happened, like an entire NBA team got food poisoning at the same location, right? COVID. And they, well, let's go with food poisoning, something more just that, that, could, that could easily just get, every, get everybody all at once. COVID has a lot longer uh, period. Food poisoning will hit you instantly. Uh, so is NBA going to make them play when they're all, you know, puking out both sides? No, they just postpone it like they've done with a lot of stuff this year with sports. They just, you push it back a night. Like, what would have one week done 
Like it, it, it possibly, it should have been run next Tuesday, in my opinion. Do you not all think? Especially when they have a three-week gap. I mean, that's a no-brainer, right? Exactly. It's not like where uh, NASCAR, you know, they got to move teams around and move equipment around. You know, everything's in people's houses. It's it's not a it's not a big deal to to reschedule that. Over. And, I, and I think people would have been uh, understanding about it too. Hey, uh, you know, the the live feed is about to go live. We could have Evan and team come on and just explain to the audience. Hey. You know, this is going to happen. You know, we're going to reschedule. Oh, wait a second. I'm sorry. I don't have my my uh, sim rig reserved next week. Now, did this not like they, they found out about this about an hour before the race start? Correct. Right. Right. So it's not a whole lot of time to to react. That's true. Especially so, when there's those other players, NASCAR and Chevy. And yeah, yeah. And. You know, an an hour out, it's pretty well go time for all that stuff to kind of happen, right? So, you like they probably just did what anybody else would have done and just tried to do the the best that they could. Um, you go back through like lots of different sports uh, or sports entertainment. One that really pops out to my mind is is WWE. Um, big Owen Hart tragedy. They went on was it the right call yeah looking back on it probably not uh at the time what do you do it is what it is right you know yeah it sucks for the chevy guys 100 percent. but you know chalk it up i i would just chalk it up to a rain delay and or rain out and you know move on they're 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 doing something they reacted uh you know fairly fairly quick did what they could do okay Let's transition to the next one. Kyle, this is very interesting. The history of iRacing. Um, yeah, so uh looks like we got uh Traxion, uh, not too sure who that actually is to be honest, um, has said a story about the history of the development of Papyrus uh leading up to it's now called iRacing. Um it going through the transition, I mean it's it's actually really interesting. I started reading through some of it uh, just a little bit ago, just kind of one refresh myself on it, and two just learn a few things. And it's actually really uh, informative. And it's neat to see the transition from back in the day when it first started out as uh, IndyCar racing, and it's worked its way all the way up to iRacing now. Who has played the original IndyCar racing? Like that. The car racing was actually pretty good on. I really liked it because it was the only one that um, had the, you know, could have Toronto. It was the first time you saw like a Canadian track or something like that besides uh, F1 games that were really not state of the art at the time either that would have Montreal on it. Look at that pixelated pagoda. Yeah, it definitely brings back some memories, but this is a fascinating a uh, long article about the history of iRacing, basically. And he delves into, you know, David Kamer and and John Henry, you know, how they what happened before they got started with iRacing, um, how they worked on these other titles with Papyrus and so forth. And, and just a timeline, who was involved and what happened. And it's lots of details. This is actually written by... Um, Justin Melillo, um, who we've uh, talked about a lot on the show. Um, in fact, he uh, provides a lot of the information I use for the Coke race. 
Uh, so thank you to Justin. And um, boy, if you want to learn about the history, this is just a fascinating read. Guys, I know, uh, I know Greg's been around a long time. Most of you guys have been around iRacing for a long time. I almost forget a time when iRacing was not um, affiliated with NASCAR. You know, it was it was a weird thing at first where you had uh, had cars that didn't have any sanctioning bodies affiliated with them. Yeah, there was well, there was a couple of years there where um, EA took some of the manufacturers and Papyrus didn't use manufacturers when EA was around um for the nascar portion of it but like even when they went had like grand prix legends like that was one of the hardest sims to to one of the more i found one of the hardest cars to control that i've ever raced in in the early days there was only one cup car i do recall well if you look at that nascar 4 there the image of it that was one of the years they just had generic bodies there was no manufactured nothing yeah, well, even in the early days of iRacing, for a while, they only had one cup car. That's true. Yeah, they had the SS. I think I remember that. I think, yeah, I was. That was where when I started. That was the only one, and then they. I think I remember it was a big deal when they added the Ford. I'm and pretty sure I, the Toyota. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, guys. If you want to see some um, YouTube videos of these old Sims, what they look like, if you've never uh, partaken in these games, if you might be a little too young or, or weren't into racing back then. Uh, it's worth your time to go and uh, search some old video of these uh, games. It's it's actually really fascinating to see um, how far it's come and uh, how you know how well they did for what the technology was at the time. Well, and it's neat that we have a heritage to the sim. I mean, that's the way I look at it. It's a history. It's a heritage. It's like the, your grandpa. You know, pretty cool. Yeah, definitely check that out. Speaking of Melillo, Tony, this next one comes from him as well. Yeah, he was uh, tweeting about this week's uh, Coca-Cola 600 and with the lifting of COVID restrictions, um, NASCAR in conjunction with the USO, uh, fans can uh, try to set their fastest times at the uh, bunch of iRacing rigs. Um, Looks like they're... They can even do it with the assistance of several Coke eNASCAR series drivers that are going to be there. And uh, they're going to donate the play seat sims when they're all done. Oh, donate here. I wonder where they're going to donate up to. That's pretty cool. I hope they do something like this in Nashville. The nice thing about those is those are the the ones that don't have the, that's the plate that doesn't have the center pole in it for once too. It's the better ones. Newer one, right? I think I'm pretty much out of the yeah. running for a donation of one of these. Yeah, you're on a do not send list. <laughs> <laughs> well, they they it, probably it, won't even let you run the rig at the site. They have your picture Canada on won't. the desk waiting for you to come. And so I'll take I'll tell you what the rig looks like. It's a tubular rig. Um and it's got a really nice wraparound kind of racing seat, but uh, blue with a red and white stripe on it and a big old NASCAR salutes logo on the back. Um, the other unique thing about the rig is it's it's built on like a, a large wooden black box with a big play seat logo along the side. Uh, we see a picture here of at least four of these rigs. Um, so we know there's gonna be several of them. So hey, if you're out at Charlotte Motor Speedway, 
uh, go try to set a fast uh, time, you know? I can't believe they'd be giving away like $15,000 rigs. I think they just keep them and take them track to track, you know? Now, if you look at the next, uh, if you look at the, the, the Twitter that's below that one, the other picture, they have a CAD drawing of the layout of where they're going to have, um, you know, the, the sim rigs. And it looks like it, it's a USO trailer. And so I don't know if the rigs are going to be inside the trailer or what, but there's a couple tents out front and, and then, you know, lines for, you know, the people to line up in, you know, queues. It looks like the rigs are underneath those tents. By one. Oh, and, I see. Uh, yeah, and you just said uh, it's a little. Chaos. I honestly don't think they go inside. Do you really want four of them under the tent? So that's, that's things probably going on. Four. I know outside. Yeah, so it's like an experience Anybody type of deal. That race, though, really cool. All right, guys. So uh, if you weren't keeping up with with it, um, there's two weeks left in the uh, iRacing Road to Pro regular season, and uh, Nicholas Morse on his Twitter page, he uh, he drops some updates on how everything's progressing, and uh, there are currently seven drivers that are locked in to round two after the Charlotte race. So uh, Colin Keister, uh, Brandon McCassick, uh, Derek Bordeaux, Justin Bolton, Ethan Lane, Parker Retzlaff, and Will Norton are the seven drivers who have punched their ticket to round two of the uh, Road to Pro series. Yeah, I haven't been keeping up real well on the Road to Pro, um, but I'm interested in this round two, because remember, these are going to be the snake splits for the first time in eight years, nine years. So we, we're going to have snake splits. It's going to be cool. Snakes. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Colin Keister is probably the only previous pro driver, right? Justin Bolton. Bolton was too. Okay. Well, somewhere in France, there's a there's a race going on for almost 24 hours. Um, Michael Ladd announced it. It's actually happening at the majors, 24 hour, and it's going on somewhere in uh, northeast France, in fact, on June 12th through 13th. Uh, there's a lot of neat little details in here. They're actually going to have cautions in their top split. And it's not really like pay to get in, but it's pay to get the chance to get in. In fact, they're only taking 10 LMP1s um, and, then, and then I think 20 LMP2s and 20 LMP or 20 GTEs. And um, you still have to qualify to get in depending on how many people uh, try. But there's still the free option as well. Only the pay option top split will be broadcast. And only that split will have the cautions running. So you have to pay to be in the top split? You have to pay to try to get in the top split. I see. And not then you can run the free version. Uh, you have to be in the majors league, I take it. And uh, yeah. So... It's June twelfth and thirteenth. Uh, now, is is this the only uh, Lamar twenty four we're going to see, or is there going to be an official one, or is iRacing you know looking to the majors to hold this for the community? iRacing, I don't think is. It's not a Lamar. Yeah. It's the majors twenty four. Sorry, yeah. David. Exactly. Can't use I, that word. Yeah, you what shouldn't word? have even said it. That word. I'm, I'll probably have to edit it out. <laughs> We're getting canceled. That's funny. We'll get a cease and desist, right? Well, somebody was wondering if that certain company finds out, will they come after them? I don't think we're worried about that particular company listening to us, but yeah, you know, um, 
it's just it's just a shame. I I hate that we're not actually getting to run the big official one. Well, I don't know that we're not. I mean, I don't think they've announced one way or the other about that race um, yet, but they're running out of time. I mean, we're at the end of May. Yeah, it's usually around the 20th, 25th of the month of June is when it is normally, I think, right? It's like the third week in June. Well, I'm sure Mike doesn't want to conflict with any official iRacing event. So he's running his on the 12th, 13th. Maybe that leaves the next week for iRacing's event that they haven't announced yet. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say if they're going to have I mean, one or not. They technically could just... Could just couldn't they just call it the iRacing 24 hours? Like, they could rebrand it. Three and a half or whatever. Well, they've hinted at that themselves and when, when why, they talked the, about it. When they talked about it, they mentioned that there was, they might have a, rant, a race somewhere in France. We, that's why we keep making that joke. And we're actually still in that joke, I think, from Greg West. But um, they are probably have their lawyers looking at whether or not they can pull it off or not. I hope so. I hate to be threatened like that. That's kind of stupid. You know, oh, we'll take legal action if you run your your race. Well, we've had this track. We've had these cars. Why could why can't we run it? I mean, iRacing owns the rights of the track, correct? On obviously, obviously. <laughs> we have it. So yeah, but, just rename the the race. Yep. They owned it at the time. I don't know. I don't know if there's they can have any actual rights to it after someone else you know it's it's like isn't it like the disney movies that took like the star wars stuff now and like it's star wars can only be shown like it's all those rights is once something buy it somebody buys it and pays for it they can take everything of that property they want they've been able to run the the euro series at there so we've run it there a couple of times since that announcement that company specifically went told everybody stay away from our 24 is basically what they said. That's where they drew their line in the sand. More to come. So we basically already covered the next item, so let's jump on down to Brian's talking about an open letter to iRacing. Yeah, guys, uh, Gary Larson, uh, he posted in the forums a plea for iRacing to do something to help out with participation in that new IR01 jet car that Mike likes to call series. Uh, And he loves his car. Carry does, but he's having issues where he's just not getting the race participation. There are a few races that went official in the last couple of weeks, so they're not even getting enough people to get official races in. And the time slots that apparently these uh, races are taking place in that go official are, are more Euro-friendly and, and occur like during the, in the middle of the day during working hours in the U.S., so he's not getting any chance to get any official racing in because of the uh, low participation in this uh, IR01 car. So uh, he posted that on the on the uh, on the forums, and Greg West actually replied to the to the thread where Gary Larson uh, started, and uh, he basically said that there's some exciting things coming up in the series, including a championship series that they hope that they're going to be announcing soon. So it looks like we're going to be getting an IR01 championship series coming up, um, and uh, hopefully that will help drive some participation. You know, if they dangle a, a big big fat carrot with some some cash attached to it you'll probably get some people signing up to to uh chase that thing yeah i i gave up on this i mean i tried real hard for several weeks at the beginning of the season um i found the same thing gary did where there were not enough drivers registered to even have an official race 
uh, when there was, it was just like four or five or six of us. And it, it's just hard. I mean, it's hard to run a series when nobody's running it. So uh, it, it's good to hear that they got something in the works. Hopefully that will drive participation. Cause if, if there were 20 cars, man, I'd be all over it, man. Uh, if, It'd be a fun and so uh, i have a blast when there's a lot of cars out there but if there's only a handful of cars i'm like nah i don't want to do it well that formula car is also com- it's competing with with stock cars on a weeknight in the u.s time zone it's also competing with indy and sports cars and even the sports car participation goes down in the evening compared to the to the euro time zone and this kind of brings up the question how how good of an of an idea was it to make a car that is not a real car, you know, that's not a real life counterpart anywhere. Um, is that, is that holding this car back to where, even though it might be fun to drive, you don't have any kind of a connection with any real world um, racing that you do with the other licensed series that this, uh, that, that uh, iRacing has. That's a good point. I very well could be one of the reasons that participation is low. It could be, but I think it just comes down to that's not the popular format in the U.S. time zone. I think if maybe they tied it a little bit to um, the Formula One schedule, uh, being that you know iRacing doesn't have a Formula One car, a proper one, um, maybe maybe that could could drive some um, some kind of a connection. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of ways that it can connect to something that's real world. There's there, that might be the closest thing that they have in to real world uh, version of the IR car. Well, iRacers lounge, iRacers lounge is a, we're, we're putting our name out in a lot of different places. And one of the next announcements is actually that uh, the Monday night fast track sim racing league is now officially sponsored by us. We, with the uh, first race as their sponsorship being held in the iRacers Lounge Podcast 300 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. We got a nice flyer on the script, and a lot of our guys are going to be running it, and I am half-tempted with uh, how excited I am about how I've been running at Charlotte to uh, hop in on this one and, and see if I can stink up the show. Yeah, it should be a good time. Um, nice to be able to, uh, you know, name this race after our iRacers Lounge podcast. Uh, Rudy over at Max Speed TV is going to be doing the broadcast. So if you want to see us race, uh, uh, come on out. Uh, Greg, you're going to be there with me. Brian will be there, I think. Uh, maybe Mike, if we can talk him into it. Maybe David. I'm usually busy on Monday nights. <laughs> I'm usually busy on Monday nights running. Uh, it'll be, shaking it'll be the exciting. Uh, I look forward to it. Yeah. Hey, before we uh, put a ball or go to Kyle's thing here, Kyle, sorry, I don't want to cut you off here, but uh, I was just looking up something going back to the, uh, the, the word we can't say 24 hour event. Um, the major series is competing it on the same weekend that it's being put on by the other company as well. Oh, even better. They're going to be competing broadcast wise. Let's hope nobody shows up so for that be other race, right? I mean, the other one has all the big names from motorsports on its side. They're advertising all kinds of professional drivers on the website for it. I wonder if they pay them to show up or what. <laughs> all right, Kyle, what's going on tonight? All right, so tonight is the inaugural beginning of Season 3 of the iRacing iRock Challenge Series. And we are taking on Daytona for 200 miles 
in the trucks. It's a fixed setup race. Um, the neat little thing about it is the format. Uh, so if you uh, we're actually racing in stages, so if you win the first two stages or you're the top three in the first two stages, you will get an EOL and go back to the back along with getting bonus points and then have to race your way back up to the front up again. Um, so this way it kind of shuffles the field around a little bit, makes competition a little easier because we do have some extremely dominant guys in there. Um, but on top of that, right now with the season starting tonight at uh, 9.30 on Ultimate Dirt TV on YouTube where you can find us, uh, we are giving away a uh, TTE uh, 2080 rig and monitor stand, a $25 raffle. I mean, it, it's a easy chance to win, you know, a six, $700 rig. I, I definitely would, you know, put a, two or three raffles in if I was you. Now, I definitely got me a raffle ticket for this, uh, Kyle, because do you have any idea how many raffle tickets they've sold? Um, no, I can find out, and uh, I'm sure I can update that as soon as I know. Um, now, it does say that the drawing is June 5th. Um, we are actually going, I believe, to extend that another two weeks, um, possibly to the end of June. I'm actually in the middle of working out that detail as we speak, um, so that date could change so once it does, uh, it'll be updated and everybody will know exactly. And we actually had a guest or a little uh, sneak interview that we pre-recorded. And so we're going to play that right now. And I'm pleased to announce that we are bringing on a new league that we are sponsoring. It's the Spartan Logistics Management iRacing iRock Challenge Series. And we have another surprise guest on for today's show, Chris Wally. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing well. I appreciate y'all uh, jumping on board and having me on here tonight. So just give us the, uh, the, the quick elevator pitch, Chris. I'll tell you what, you know, we all grew up watching the iRock Series and uh it went away on us in real life but luckily we've got iRacing to kind of bring it back and uh between the the colorful paint schemes and the uh fixed setups with with good drivers uh the racing action is amazing and it's something that we want to bring back to life now as i i took a look at the information you gave me here and it's really interesting you have the rules set up to basically prevent somebody from just running away from the season right Absolutely. You know, we want it to be competitive. Um, the IROC series in, in, in real life has always been about, you know, bringing those champions in together. They would always run close. Uh, no one would ever really run away with it. And so that's what we're trying to prevent is any one or two guys to get in there and, and kind of stink up the show, so to speak. You know, we want it to be tight, tight points, battles, tight races, new winners, and something that the entire field can get excited about. And we don't have to dive into every detail of the format of the racing, but one particularly interesting aspect is that there are uh, there's a good chunk of bonus points available for each stage. But if you go for the win in the stage, you then if you score a podium in the stage, you actually go to the rear of the field. That's correct. Yeah. So you kind of live by the sword, die by the sword. You know, do you want to win races or do you want to race for a championship? And so when you look at the each stage win, so for the first stage, if you finish one, two, three, that's worth five, four, and three bonus points, but you're going to start stage two at the rear. Uh, you know, if you finish top three in stage two, you'll get 10, eight, and, and six bonus points for those top three, but then you're starting sta stage three in the rear. 
and we kind of have it flip-flopped you know in nascar you see the third stage is the longest well it's actually the shortest for us first stage for us is going to be you know the the first 50 percent of that race uh, and then it gets shorter and shorter as we go stage two being 30 percent and stage three being 20 so do you want the points or do you want the the win to be a little bit easier for you I think that percentage, I didn't notice that. That's a pretty neat idea. I think NASCAR should try that at a race. They It'd do. make things exciting. Yeah, they, they, it would because, the, you know, the, the first two stages are just kind of, eh. Uh, and really, there's nev never a whole lot of strategy because of the length of them. It's always just one pit stop per, per stage. Exactly. And, you know, having, having that 20% uh, there at the end of the race, it's going to take a lot to come back from a, a tough field at the back there, but you're getting, you know, if you win stage two, you're getting 10 points. And so the concept behind it is, well, if I'm getting 10 extra points for winning that stage, maybe at least points wise, it'll make sense. Even if I'm going to the back, because if I can bring it all the way back up to 10th, well, guess what? You're getting the same amount of points as if you won. And you will be running the trucks, I believe. That is correct. Yep. All three manufacturers um, been able to, to make some pretty sweet paint schemes for everybody. Uh, got all the information they needed, sponsors on the hoods and on the on the tailgates of their choosing. Got Spartan uh, Logistics on the side. They've been a huge sponsor for us. Uh, Loud Pedal Gaming on there. Uh, Hydrotech PC. Uh, you know, the whole crew is coming out and looking good this year. Well, who else is going to be on the, some of those cars or, uh, or broadcast logos? I'll tell you what, R&R Racewear, they've been a big sponsor for us uh, since season two. The Ultimate Dirt TV, they're, they're brand new for us on the broadcast side. We're excited to see them. Um, and then some of the guys are bringing their own stuff. You know, our past champion, Brian McCann, uh, he's got his own uh, gaming page that, that he's got on his hood. The same with his brother. I know for myself, I'm a Edward Jones financial advisor, so I've got Edward Jones rocking on the hood. We've got a state farm major that has his self on there. So it, it's, you know, it's got a lot of character uh, for guys on their own, um, allowed them to pick their, their color as well. But we also still are representing our sponsors well. I mean, I was actually kind of tossing the fact that uh, we're going to be on some of the logos there. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, with y'all coming on board, you know, it, it's going to be exciting having somewhere that, you know, hopefully these guys can, can jump on board and, you know, possibly be visitors uh, for y'all as well. Um, it, it's going to be a great thing uh, having having an established program like yourself uh, representing the IROC League. So let's talk. Uh, let's talk entry fee. Is this twenty five dollars for a season or for a race? So entry fee for season three uh, actually was up to forty. Now, the beauty behind it is with Brian Rick, our sponsor with Spartan Logistics, uh, he paid a good chunk uh, for our winnings and our broadcasts, along with R&R helping there, um, the iRacers Lounge uh, podcast helping in that aspect to help pay these guys for their winnings at the end. So that entry fee actually paid for a welcome pa package for each driver. Um, with that comes a... a personalized made box with the IROC logo on the front and some of the trucks. There's a poster inside of it, a hat, a, uh, a decal sticker. I know we've got a loud pedal gaming um, band on, on there as well, and along with a welcome letter. So 
something for each person to have to hold on to and a tangible item. And we have payouts for the all-star race and the final points. A uh, nice feature on here is the uh, uh, first prize will be $250 and you pay all the way down to 10th. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to keep guys interested in, in trying hard. So we've got a field of 28 that we're going to run with. Uh, like you said, 250 for first, 150 for second and third paying a hundred. And then it drops down a little bit after that. Uh, also got plaques and awards for first through third on the final points, got an award for the most polls and then the all-star race. If you sweep the night, you get a hundred bucks. Um, but if it if it's broke up a little bit, stage one winner ten dollars, stage two twenty five, and and the race winner uh, gets fifty. And I'm taking a look at the schedule here. We run we actually open on May twenty seventh. That is uh, Thursday. That's our podcast night. I'm, I'm, I assume it's running afterwards. Absolutely, yeah. Kyle was uh, he was adamant telling me that you know. Business first here, so iRacers Lounge has got a good thing going, so we're going to make sure he's in here on that, but we will get kicked off at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time for that and for each race there on after. Yeah, and it opens at the uh, at the Daytona Speedway and closes at the Daytona Speedway at night. Yeah, so something that I've noticed after the first two seasons is, you know, super speedways, typically make for pretty good racing with our league uh we've got a lot of good drivers that that give and take and know how to drive around each other so we've actually got four super speedways on here and it's also a wild card race so it gives anybody a chance to win um you know some guys are are speedway specialists at these places and uh at our our mile and a half and our short tracks so these are four opportunities for guys that may not typically win a race to have a chance well, I'll, I'll bring in some of the details that you told me a little bit earlier about uh, uh, Brian McCubbin, our podcast buddy here. He is going to be running in the league with the sponsors provisional. He's going to be sporting our colors as well as uh, the colors will be sported on the broadcast. I might even get a chance to talk to me or, me or Mike actually may get a couple of chances to t- drop in on the broadcast as well. Absolutely. Yeah, we're excited to have Brian on board. Uh, you know, Kyle brought that opportunity up to us um you know and we we'd love to have sponsors on board it allows us to get our names out there allows them to get theirs and so for brian to jump on board in the iRacers lounge truck um will be huge well we definitely look forward to following brian's uh, season uh, i'm sure it'll become a new podcast segment there you go yeah man put the iRock challenge series in there and he'll definitely give you something to talk about. It this thing's been building for the last year and a half now, and I believe it's just getting bigger. All right, well, thanks for dropping by, Chris. Absolutely, I appreciate you having me, and thanks for being on board as a sponsor. All right, good luck tonight in that race, guys. Appreciate it. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention we got Brian McCubbin along in that league as well. Go get it, guys. Um, I'm going to be busy tonight, but I might try to watch or I'll spot or something. Yeah, that'd be cool, Mike. More iRacers Lounge community involvement, Tony. Yeah, next up we got the Project K9 Hero 200 charity race. Um, that's our, uh, well, both our podcasts, uh, iRacers Lounge and the Aftermath, are putting this one on. Um, it's going to be a multi car at Michigan. That's going to be the Cup car and the Xfinity car. 
um, going for a great charity. We did this, uh, I, I raced for this charity last year and it turned out really well. Anybody watching the video, I'm actually wearing the t-shirt um, tonight. But this is all gonna go down June 11th at 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, racing at Michigan. Um, it'll be uh, 200 laps with uh, iRacing caution. So they're gonna, I'm just gonna let iRacing take care of all that. Now to get into the race, it's a minimum $25 donation. Um, do that directly to the Project K9 Hero website. And uh, just make a note that uh, uh, either PK9H200 or Project K9 Hero 200, send us a screenshot directly on Facebook, Discord, email, snail mail, however you want to get it to us. Just get us a, get us a screenshot and you're in. Uh, 25 bucks gets you into the race. It also gets you a, a t-shirt uh, similar to the one I imagine that I'm wearing. Um, and prizes, we do have prizes. So um, we've got uh, spotlights from Midwest Simulations going out to the, uh, the class winners. And we have U-House uh, Racing Designs uh, paint schemes going out to the uh, pole winner believe that's for each class yeah, yes I think so. yes it is it's that is also for each class and we are also giving out a ten dollar iRacing credit for um the best paint with the Pro project canine hero logo uh what else do we got on for this i know we we haven't firmed up a broadcaster yet um but we are still we're working on that and we should have that one uh, nailed down here in the next uh, week or two. Yeah, so I was one of the first ones to sign up uh, for this race, um, paid my $25 uh, donation, sent my screenshot over. Um, the do Google document link and the donation link are on the script. And so find that over at our website, iracerslounge.com, guys, and get signed up for this race. So we're giving you plenty of time. Get registered now. Pay the 25 bucks. So when June, when the, when the date comes, uh, we're ready to go racing. Let's get into hey, Tony, yeah. is there any inkling on how many people signed up? I have none of that information. I'm just a voice tonight. I really don't know a whole lot about what's going on. Yeah, Tony Rochette leading the charge there. Uh, thanks, Tony. Let's get into podcast housekeeping notes. Uh, don't forget the Aftermath podcast. Uh, uh, to Tony, give us a little preview or uh, post view of what happened on the most recent episode. Ah, we had uh, David Hall join us and uh, got to talk a little bit about, um, you know, his, his first commentary uh, session with, with us, with the ladies, uh, with the ladies race we did a couple weeks ago um that was it was pretty fun uh pretty fun podcast uh we we're glad to have you on david um definitely uh check it out david you got any words how, how would you think of your coming on with us knuckleheads it's pretty enjoyable you know it's a different environment uh i like being able to go more in depth in things even though i get to say what i want here too but we could really just kind of shoot the you know shoot the shit so it was a lot of fun yeah, we enjoyed having you on for sure. All right, check that, guys. And uh, there's also a link on the script for the Android people out there who uh, need to find our podcast at 
Google's podcast uh, platform. I found that link finally. And uh, yeah, we've been there the whole time. I didn't even know it. Don't forget, we give a uh, 10% off at Midwest Simulations. Uh, if you use the coupon code iRacers Lounge, we are still at the Performance Motorsports Network and now Fantasy. Um, <laughs> well, I am totally unprepared this week. Um, I didn't even watch one lap of the race. I did get my picks in, and I was also able to get my garage swap done before uh, the end of Stage 2. Um, but I did not watch a single uh, single lap of this race. Um, I was out at my trailer uh, just enjoying the day. But uh looks like we've i've got myself up into the top five how did that happen uh i kind of lucked out the the rain helped a lot of us out i noticed that uh but a quick uh run down to the top five just in time and res dog um those two guys i'm i'm just yeah not surprised i think they were in that position about this time last year uh oh baby 44 is in third uh scotty boy is fourth place uh, TG1 Racing, myself, is in fifth, and uh, Jedi McFly is sucking a lot less this week. He is uh, he's very close uh, in sixth place. But uh, what is he? we've got the uh, 600 this week. Um, yeah, that's going to be a good one. Uh, <laughs> I, I got to imagine a lot of uh, a lot of the the main guy, quote unquote, whatever the heck that means this year. Those picks are starting to get a little bit slim. Um, you know, like the, the Kyle Larson's, the, the, the chases, the, um, well, heck, I guess Hendrick as, as a whole, they've been, they've been pretty running pretty strong. Um, you know, Kyle Bush and you know, Kevin Hart's going to make a go somewhere. I don't know if you'd really want to use him this week here. might be good to save him, but you know, Denny Hamlin, uh, how many picks of those guys you got left? So isn't this your M.O. to make comebacks halfway through the season? Yeah, yeah, generally. Watch out, so, uh, so I'm still hovering in the mid-low 30s, which is uh, terrible, but I can, uh, I can rest happy this week. I actually won the week, and I can't believe I actually won the week. So uh, if I finish 32nd for the whole season, I don't care. I won at least one week, and I'm good with that. Uh, you know what? I think somebody had, and I can't believe I didn't mention that. I, I honestly, I, I did forget it because I didn't see that myself. Um, but you totally should have screenshotted that. We could have, uh, you know, put it on a plaque for you and, you know, um, presented to you at the, at the end of the season. That's, that's awesome, Brian. And, you know, Tony's doing a really good job of trying to, uh, to, to get to where you're at. But you keep uh, you keep knocking out these uh, first placings. I mean, we've got a lot of road courses, so um, you know that could very well get you up uh, up into the top ten, maybe a little, maybe a little more. Yeah, I had a rough day, thirty second for the week. Um, while Brian wins it, uh, Chris was fourth. Um, Potter was uh, sixth, uh, or tied for sixth. So uh, good runs for them. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Okay, we are talking hardware software. First up, a company review. It's called Pure Sims. It's pure-sims.com. 
and they have something for all your sim racing needs from products from cube controls sim labs uh, semi cube and more uh what do you guys think about this uh this new uh, one we found they even have next day delivery it says not from the uk i don't <laughs> Right. If you're in the UK, uh, it makes sense. But uh, at the P1X, uh, you can uh, buy it directly from them. Uh, they also have hydraulic pedals, direct drive wheels, you name it. Cube control, um, formula style wheels, Sparco seats. We've seen a lot of, uh, of storefronts out of the UK. Uh, this is just another one. Uh, do any of our guys have Huskinville pedals at the moment? I don't think so. All right. Well, for those of you who do but like to have them inverted, SimSeats is offering a new solution where you can invert them. And we've got a tweet here showing their introduction of it. Looks uh, like it'll get the job done. It's a pretty big contraption, though. Um, and I don't really understand the idea of inverting the clutch and the brake, but not the throttle. What, what's the idea there? The uh, Fanatex are the same way. Oh, I see. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's how they are in a real car, right? Uh, the, the, the throttle pedals mounted underneath. I see. Yeah, it depends on the street car. Most of the ones I've had have been upper, been mounted all inverted. But uh, you, if you ever actually just look down, sitting in the Ferrari with your VR, you'll notice that those pedals are not inverted. They're all on the ground. This is a nice bolt-on solution, though. That allows you to mount from the top, the bottom, or a combination, um, however you want to do it, with probably any kind of pedals you can buy. They don't have to be specifically, I think, the high school build, but um, pretty cool. Uh, you could, like bolt this onto your rig, and you'd be set. If it's the way you like for it to feel, this is a way to go. Um, I would be nervous about getting the inverts because I'm so used to them being on the ground. And I don't know if it would actually be one of those not broke, don't fix it kind of situations. I'm I'm really impressed how well all the pedals line up. You know, you you would think with a with a, something that was made like this, uh, you might get the pedals not lining up quite right or uh, the heights being a little different. But man, they're just they they fit across there just perfectly lined up. Yeah, it probably took some engineering to to get these just right, like you said, and. Uh... And they do look pretty nice. Uh, Sim Seats is known for some fabulous cockpits. Um, they're they're the ones that always do the uh, steering wheel extension arm into the wheelbase and have the wheelbase down by your feet. And they do have some uh, adjustability with like to go left and right with the pedals too, so you can space them out differently if you like that. Brian, why can't we have nice things? Well, according to the Sim Channel's YouTube video, uh, they break down the pricing structure of that new Fanatec or Fanatec uh, CSL direct drive wheelbase. So if you guys remember, um, they had the, the original price point. I forgot what it was. I think it was 350. 350, right? Um, that's the original price point. And then they have the addition of a uh, more powerful power supply that that cranks up the newton meter uh, strength of the of this direct drive, you know, for an extra price. And I think um, I didn't personally see it, but um, the Sim Channel uh, basically says that there's been a lot of complaints about you know that this this uh, addition kind of uh, 
it's just different ways of manipulating pricing or something like that. Uh, and uh, he he really goes through the pricing structure, how how this is actually a good thing to have this option. You know, some are saying that it should just been the higher newton meter and just made a higher price. But um, yeah, I think. And one of the things he compared it to was like the the uh, direct the DD one versus DD two, you know, having basically the same motor. But a lot of people were really excited about the DD one because you know you could get you could get the same uh, same motor and everything. The the strength was a little less, but it, the price dropped quite a bit. So um, so he goes through all those pricing structures and really explains why this actually is the best, better way, the better way for Fanatec to do this to keep keep prices uh, variable and uh, give you more options to what you want to get. Yeah, I've seen the complaints. I mean, the the Fanatec forums, the Facebook groups, uh, people talking. You know, hey, they're selling a dumbed down version. You know, they're they're throttling this thing down. You know, and charging is a lower price. But I agree with the video ops assessment, though. This is good for the consumer because to have that entry level uh, price point, so to get them hooked, and then hey, they want a little bit more, they can spend some more and get a, a beefier power supply. I think it provides a, a clear upgrade path. Uh, as well, and and um, I'm happy with Fanatex pricing. I think uh, they're going to really disrupt the market with this product. How about this wheel, Kyle? So we've actually got a Canadian uh, company called Grid Engineering, uh, who has their own line of sim products. And uh, looking at their website, they've got a lot of neat things. Uh, the one thing that I was interested in was the button box, and these things are flashy. Um, everything they got looks of really good quality. They offer wheels, uh, SimLab cockpits, uh, SimLab accessories, monitor mounts, racing gear, uh, pedal sets, and electronics, along with, as they call it, their, their dash consoles. Um, I recommend everyone go on their website. It's grid-engineering.com and uh, check out their products. Um, everything's also based on U.S. dollars as well, so no need to convert there. It looks like a, a pretty good company with a... Uh, really high-end quality. Wow, that wheel though, they, they're selling a formula wheel there, $2,150, I mean, I mean, it looks nice and all, but man, that price, wow, that's high. But the button boxes, like you said, um, they have a, a real unique kind of design to them. They're not the normal rectangle, right, Kyle? I'm sorry, what was that? The, those button boxes, they're not the regular rectangle button box. They, they no. got a weird uh, shape to them. Yeah, not at all. One is like tall and it starts off uh, wide at the top and narrows down to the bottom. And the other one's got some kind of weird curvature to it. It looks really neat and flashy, uh, especially for someone who likes to have a nice looking uh, rig. Uh, it would go great with that. It's uh, a lot different than just your standard rectangular square button box. Yeah, those are designed to look like they're from an actual car, right? Yeah, like your center console or something. Yeah, we've actually seen these before um, from a, a different company. Um, but I remember, I, I, I do remember talking about them because the price point just sticks out to me. Yeah, it looks like these guys are retailing products from several different other companies and putting them together in another storefront. Uh, the pedals are pretty high, too. Yeah, and they even have a page here for SimLab 
uh, you can get the P1X apparently from them. So they're reselling, like you said. That's a good thing that they got a little thing on there about us saying that they're located in Canada because according to their website anywhere, I would never have guessed that. So is there an advantage, Tony, in buying from a, a company like this in Canada? Like if you wanted to buy the SimLab rig, would you buy it directly from SimLab or would it be better to buy from a reseller that's located in Canada due to duty and that kind of stuff? A lot of the time it's actually better just to go to the... Uh, just go to the source. Um, you know, once once the, these guys get them across the border, get them up here, you know, and then they tack their money on it. You're you're you usually paying more for it. Um, I only got Simulation One uh, a couple hours away from uh, Greg and I here in Toronto, and but the, the the prices are just retarded. You can just yeah, just get it right from the manufacturer, and you know, you typically you, you could save yourselves it's not a whole lot but save yourself a little bit i might depend on the shipping though because that international shipping was a couple hundred bucks and um they took a while too when i ordered my sim lag rig yeah yeah well i mean there's that but you know if you, if you want to pay you know an extra three four hundred dollars so you can get it sooner then you know i guess there's those options I don't think you can get this next rig, Tony, from Sim Labs. No, nope, no, I don't think you can. But this is a <laughs> this is really dumb. But it's it's kind of a novel idea, I guess you could say. Uh, this rig setup is uh, done up in the back of someone's car. It looks like they chopped down like a minivan. Ford Windsor. Yeah, there you go. Just they they chop or Aerostar. It's probably Aerostar. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Six of one. Yeah, they just took the whole top off and uh, they mounted a screen right behind, right behind the driver passenger, and a couple of guys sitting in the in the far back with their with their rig cell set up steering wheels. So you know, backseat drivers uh, taking that to the next level. That's crazy. It's also. I think the more impressive the more impressive part is the. Uh, the gutters uh, exhaust that they got out the back there, uh, East trough that they're using. <laughs> um, it's not, I'm wondering how safe this vehicle is. Like obviously back in whatever year that is, it's not a unibody. So probably cutting it up didn't totally take like, I'd hope that they built some rigidity into that because it's taking the roof off. It kind of lose all integrity of that vehicle. If it's not beefed up, well, if you Dude, uh, they just got, got roll, bars. roll cage, yeah, but <laughs> no windshield. Yeah, it's not really well. It's, it wouldn't be street legal in Canada. I'm guessing it's somewhere in the states. Yeah, we're only dumb enough ones to do that. Oh, I'm just wondering different laws. If you're the guy driving the sim in the back, and they're driving down the road in the actual van, and the van takes a left, does that kind of mess you up? You know, because you're trying to go right, and the van's going left? Uh, yeah, that would be weird. Two different sets of audio cues going on. You hear a car coming up. Is it in the sim or, you know, or the actual car? What about the nausea effect? Like, moving on the screen and then moving the world moving on the outside i think you might get a little seasick 
And then if they have an accident, they can actually just say, hey, the spotter said clear. And what they ought to do is, you know, you want those side-by-sides uh, that they show on YouTube, take this thing to the track, track on the sim, see who drives, see who can race faster. Now you don't need two cars to race. There you go. All right, next up is K-Fire Racing. This is a Brazilian company that makes F1-inspired racing rigs. And I found them over on Instagram, and they put up a, a cool-looking photo of their rig. And it, it's got the Mercedes uh, gray and uh, colors, uh, big old Mercedes logo on the front, a formula-style wing even on the front. But the way this thing looks is the cockpit is like a large arc kind of thing uh, with, the, with, like I said, with a Formula One kind of wing on the front uh, seat and a, a center-posted steering wheel as well as a, a place for the pedals mounted on top of the arc. Uh, kind of give it a unique look. Um, I mean, it sure looks kind of cool. That center post is awful, though. Uh, how are you going to get to the clutch without having to like have like a arched foot? right or arched leg well i think you're right the the center post kills it right i thought the price that they're saying on the thing was that like this this is was this any different than a play seat obviously the only thing that's different is the fact that it's got paying for the mercedes symbol on it like well why why would you spend that kind of money just trying to see how much it costs. There's several different numbers here, but I don't know what uh, denomination that is. Is that a, a European spelling for euro? Well, Brazilian real, I think. So if you convert it, uh, twenty-seven eighty, or yeah, it says twenty-seven ninety uh, Brazilian real to U.S. equals what? Five hundred and thirty dollars U.S. So five hundred dollar rig. Uh, I don't know with the center post. I guess I'd it's not that pass. bad, I guess. I still would say stay away from anything with the center post. Right. So this next one we got to cover before we move on. Forty five set pedal comparison. I think we should be putting a link to this on the website. I already put that in there. This is neat. It's a Google sheet. I don't know if you can edit it. I didn't try, but. You can always make a copy of it yourself if you want to edit it later. It's got 45 pedals, and it has everything you want to know about each pedal, comparison by price, uh, whether there's import duties, how uh, you just you, you name it. It's got it on the columns. Uh, we talk about a lot of hardware, but something like this is great because it's all there in one place. You don't have to dig through five different sets of show notes to find that pedal that we talked about last year, right? This is awesome, and it, and he, as you scroll the different columns, he's got every kind of feature that listed. Yes, no, if they have the feature or not. So you could sort it. You could say, you know what, I want to see only hydraulic brakes, and then you could sort the the you know down to which ones. This is fascinating. This guy's really taking it to the next level um, by documenting. You know, probably everywhere you can buy uh, pedals. Um, I, I kind of looked through this list, and we've talked about every one of these at some point on this show. So I don't think I'm missing any. But you're right. Let's get this on the website for sure um, and link to it. Now, the, the guy who put this together and put it out on the forums is 
Aaron Maspero from the UK. So well done, Aaron. Aaron. I think it's Aaron, right? Aaron. <laughs> yeah, Aaron really put a lot of work into this, and it's pretty cool to see um, how much how much information he put on this, and how you can uh, isolate it based on what you're looking for. It's really cool, and uh, kudos to Aaron for putting in a lot of work and making a great list. Yeah, and this is kind of what I was trying to do with the sequential shifters, but this is a whole other level of documentation. Uh, well done. I mean, can you imagine the time it took to do all this research? Well, somebody in the thread asked him about that, and he said, I sit in meetings eight hours a day. I have plenty of time. Right, because the funny thing was he originally made this list because he's looking at looking for pedals, and uh, he said he did, just didn't have time to keep working on his, uh, the current ones that he had because he kept having to repair them. And the guy's like, well, you know, if you didn't have time for your pedals, <laughs> how'd you have time to do all this, this, uh, this data collection? Okay, very good. If you're buying pedals, what a resource, man. I wish I had that when I was buying. Let's talk results. NASCAR iRacing Series. Let's finish up last week. The Circuit of the Americas, Friday night. Greg, you got a nice P8, uneventful. Yeah, it's uh, it wasn't uh, too bad. It was basically, once it got started and strung out, I was basically by myself pretty much the whole race. So I didn't, uh, didn't really see anybody else much and uh, you know, you you know me in the road courses. I I tend tend to just finish and finish up in the top ten and uh, get a good finish out of it. All right, very good, David. P ten, an idiot free event. Yeah, basically we had less drama, right? Uh, so I was hanging in there about a quarter of a lap behind Greg, I think, when we finished up and. Uh, yeah, there was a it was a turn. The turn one was a little shady, but both the guys. I was stuck in the middle of a three wide because it was everybody was avoiding a wreck, but we all did a good job of giving each other room. Uh, so I kind of I kind of let that guy go that gave a lot of room and managed to run him back down a few late, laps later. But I, I I did a favor because he did a favor, and we all did a good job of getting through there, nice and clean. Uh, I liked Coda when I got to race it with an unbroken car. It was fun. All right, and Sunday fixed, I ran, I got a P11. I started P4, actually, but faded. Um, got a drive-through and finished with 20X. Um, was really trying for a top 10 there. Um, the, the qualifying was surprising. Um, I had a nice lap and, and not very many people qualified, so I was able to start up front and stay up front, and that was fun. Uh, Greg, you ran with me, but a different split, I think, and you got a P5. Yeah, just another another race. Uh, the car setup wasn't like great again. Like it was the the, the we didn't have a great setup that was long run, but uh, I was able to eke out a a decent finish there and uh, get another top ten, top five uh, at a road course. Yeah, you didn't qualify either, and so uh, starting P twenty three. Oh yeah, that's right. I didn't qualify in that one. Yeah, so I drove. That was the eventful one. That was the one I drove through the field. 
And I just, if I would have qualified, I probably would have been a lot better. Yeah, at a road course, when you don't qualify, it, it it costs you. Even though you get that all that time, you still have to use up the car making it around people and take longer on those laps than you do if you have less traffic to fight. All right, let's jump to the longest race of the year, the Charlotte uh, Coke 600. David Hall, P14. Yeah, top split. We had only one caution around lap 50 or so, and then it just ran green the whole way out. It was funny, all the guys that kept coming on the radio complaining about no cautions. And I was like, dude, people, shut up. Uh, probably should have finished P12. I don't know if it was because uh, I do know I got to practice the green flag pit stops because I was losing some time there. But I also was running every stint 60 to or 70 laps, and a lot of other people were short pitting about 50. Pitted one more time than me, but it ended up working out about the same after, after 350 laps. It kind of balanced out. And it took you like four hours uh, when you were done, right? Yeah, that was running a clean race, right? Wow. And at this at this point, they had fixed the arrow issue, so the car was actually really nice on the long and short run. Okay, Kyle, you got a P24. Uh, yeah, I started out uh, P4, and I kind of fell back there for a little bit to ride around the top 10, maybe right outside the top 10 for a bit. And I ended up going a lap down. The leader was just, he was uncatchable. I mean, he just pulled a lead that no one could even come close to and ended up getting lapped after, uh, well, he pitted lap 50 and I waited until lap 66 to pit. Uh, I held second place there for a bit. And then once I came out from my pit, he had done caught up enough to get around me to lap me. And so I basically held a lap down for about 10 laps and then got the lucky dog, came back. And I ran top 10, almost, uh, I think I got P4's highest I got up to. And I just, uh, I got involved in a wreck. Uh, it was about lap 240 that uh, I was actually avoiding a wreck and a guy didn't check up and just slammed the back end of me. And the car just went to uh, junk after that. And I couldn't keep it under control. And I uh, staying out for about 10 laps and I just couldn't control the car. So I smacked the outside wall. And of course it shot me down to the inside wall and that was it. So. I, uh, I got rage quit after that, and it was right at about midnight, so I checked the results, and I'm getting a P24. Damn, after such a long race, too. Yeah. Well, I didn't run. I actually was at a high school graduation last night. I'll run Friday night, uh, one and done kind of thing, probably. Let's move on to the Open Indy 500. Tony Rochette was trying to back up his last year's win, and he uh, had an internet connection issue and actually got dropped from the race so bummer for tony david you got a p11 yeah i was on with him that morning and he had been running between first and third the whole race pretty well uh p11 i was in the it and i ran a race last week too i think it fell on i ran two and i don't remember both results but in both results i was kind of mid front pack and it was the top split with the non-qualifiers and the bottom split of the qualifiers. So there was 500 I rating guys in there and 6,000 I rating guys in there. Um, so we would take it really easy early on and then and then run hard towards the end. All the all the top I ratings would get up towards towards the front. I don't know how to 
I don't know if this is the best option for slapping those two two groups together or not. It didn't cause a whole lot of problems. Most of the slower guys were gone and out of the way pretty quick. But I almost wonder if it would be better to have, have the splits only qualifiers and only non-qualifiers. Not a bad idea. Dave, you, right. uh, you, you went back over 4K, did you, Dave? Uh, that was uh, last night, yeah. Oh, congratulations. After the, Roval, after the Charlotte, not Roval, but Charlotte run. That's an all-time high? Uh, it may be, because I think I was just barely over. This time I'm, I, I cleared it by quite a bit. And I'm still sitting P5 in the, uh, in the points as well, overall. All divisions. Wow. Good job, buddy. Yeah, to be P5 at this point in the season, yeah, you're kicking, that, kicking butt here. Let's jump to leagues. Uh, Fast Track Sim Racing League was Monday at Coda. And the unique thing about this race, Greg, was no incident limits at all. So we kind of drove this a, a different race. Tell us about your P2. <laughs> it, it, it was started a second and never saw anybody after that. The leader just drove away and I stayed in second and I drove away, I think I, was 20 i want to say almost 30 seconds ahead of third and the other guy put like 20 seconds on me so uh but i think i won for most uh, incident limit then find out at the end of the race that uh they can't they have incident limits show up in their uh actual um standings so i lead now the incident limits in their standings and i've only raced one late race <laughs> So they ran it like the Pro Series invite, right? With where incident cap was off. Yeah, no incident caps. Yeah, so, so. I had a hundred, hundred and five incidents. I think I said I had. I don't even know how you did that. I did only like forty something, um, and I was trying to go off when I or go wide and different things. But, but yeah, you more than tripled what I was doing. Well, there's so many places you can really abuse the track if they if they. If you don't have to worry about those track limits, it's like Spa. Remember when they had all the problems with the incident limit and they just turned the incident cap off and everybody went down to like a D license from A license after running 24 hours? Right. So I got a P11 out of 17 starters. I did have an EOL at the beginning of the race um, because I missed practice. Um, but I actually got quite a few spots on that first turn, first lap kind of thing. Um, at one point, though, I think it was just a few laps in, uh, my shifter stopped working and I was stuck in second gear. It literally wouldn't go up or down my paddle shifters. Um, so what did I do? I actually stopped on the track just uh, outside turn one, turned my wheel off, turned my wheel back on and continued lost several spots uh, from that. The other thing I noticed about this race was as I came down to the white and the checker, I realized there's two flagmen at this track. Does anyone know why we have two Barneys? Well, uh, some of the road courses, there's actually local yellows. So if there's a yellow in the area, sometimes you can actually see a flagman waving a yellow. Well, it wasn't like this. I mean, it was on the front stretch. Um, there's a flagman kind of before the start finish line and there's one at the start finish line maybe a hundred yards apart i just thought it was odd i have no idea why there's two of them next the obrl iracers lounge podcast aftermath truck series 
was won at Charlotte Motor Speedway by Tom Ogle. Uh, winning, congratulations to Wayne MacArthur, second. Andrew House, third. Dwayne probably going to wind up being in the charity uh, uh, Project Canine race. Uh, he's going to be tough. Well, especially uh, the way he he's always on the podium, it seems like, uh, with this truck series. So, like you said, yeah, he's going to be tough. Tell him to run the B car. There you go. GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder Finder.com. The home of online sim racing leagues. Final thoughts, Brian McCubbin. What do you got? All right, guys. So uh, last night, um, our teammate Tyler Williamson was with me, and we were uh, messing around a little bit. We went and did uh, picked up a practice session of the next gen uh, Cup car at Charlotte. And uh, if you guys have not run that car on a mile and a half uh, super speedway yet. It's it's not good. It's not good at all. Um, you are you are flooring it the whole way around. You can run any line you want while flooring it. You know, at least until your tires wear off. Um, you can run the blue line. You know, the Charlotte has the blue line instead of the yellow at the bottom. You can run that whole line at the bottom and uh, wide open, and and you can stick it stick it to the bottom. You don't even wash up at the exit of two and four. Um, and then uh, him and I were racing, you know, nose to tail where we were drafting off each other. And, you know, the lead car does the same thing. You can hold it wide open, run any line. And then the, the car right behind him, you know, gets super tight. Um, you you got to lift uh, to uh, stay behind the car in front of you because you start washing up the truck, uh, up the track. The uh, you know, Once the nose gets off the front of your car, I guess, and it tightens up quite a bit. That's not going to make for good racing, I don't think. Um, and you know the horse it's it's way underpowered i think <clears throat> and the and it's got too much downforce and uh it, if this translates to how it actually runs in nascar it's not going to fix any of the problems that a lot of people have been complaining about with the way nascar runs right now it's going to be worse um so if you get a chance uh, just to try it out for a few laps see what you think but I, I don't, I, I don't like the way this races at all, and I hope they make some adjustments to it with either downforce or horsepower to get it to run more competitively. It's the easiest thing to drive I've ever, I've ever driven, uh, first time out especially, and it, it reminded me of of running like a street stock at Charlotte, where you know you're 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 on the floor and you can move around the track anywhere you want, and uh, I I recommend trying it out and see what you guys think. See if I, see if you agree. Yeah, yeah. Tell NASCAR what you think is what. I mean, they're the ones who make the decisions on this crap. But I, I've I've told them I've told them what I think. I mean, I've driven the car. I bought it over the weekend, and I got my paint on it, and it looks pretty. I'll tell you that. But that's about it. You yeah. Know, I I ran it around the track, and I'm thinking, where's the power? I, I ran it at Coda. You know, after running our normal A car all week at Coda, and was really used to that, and and all I can think is, man, this thing is underpowered. It's underpowered. It's underpowered. 
Yeah, and the first when I first got it, I tried it out at at a at a Darlington, and that's such a, a odd track the way it drives. It's really not a good um, a good sample of how it's going to run at these mile and a half, which is like the predominant tracks on the on the schedule. Uh, so yeah, I I, uh, I hope it's not I hope it's not real life the way it is in iRacing, and if it isn't, I hope iRacing fixes it to match it. But uh, I I really do recommend trying it out and see what you guys think. Yeah, and I hope NASCAR, you know, takes this opportunity to see what the feedback is from people like us to make some decisions about the engine. So I hope they're listening. David Hall, final thought. And I, I just kind of, kind of jump on the same bandwagon. The you have to have time off the throttle to have racing, really. And even though I succeed at plate racing, I don't enjoy it especially don't i don't even like watching it that much it's just i'd rather them see them have to actually get off the throttle use the brakes um and i know they're wanting smaller engines they're not necessarily wanting the big block engines i watched a video recently comparing how f1 cars would would run with with indy cars at the 500 right um and those cars, yeah, they spend crazy amounts of money on the engineering, but they're, they're running little V6 1.7 cc or liter um, engines that are super turbocharged and put out a thousand horsepower. One right? six. Is it 1.6? Okay, well, but uh, yeah, you know, small little engine, but it, it's a beast. So put the smaller engine on, super, supercharge it, and make them have to lift. Uh, Take away the downforce too, and then you're not going so fast that they're gonna they're turn upside down, right? Or just go to everywhere, go to short tracks and just get rid of all the mile and a halfers. They might have enough power if they take off all the downforce, you know. So we have to drive the dang thing. All right, Greg Hector's final thought. Well, let's see if this even goes through, since my internet seems to be taking. I think Brian has. I have Brian's internet today because um, it has taken a crash and I don't know what it's doing, but uh, I'm dropping frames left, right, and center. And I don't, I don't understand for this, but uh, um, just looking forward to the 600 tomorrow night and uh, maybe some road racing on the weekend. I don't think I'm going to do two 600s. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to run fixed on Sunday. I might, I haven't decided, but definitely run Friday. Imza is at Amola, and uh, Euro is at Twin Ring. Okay, Kyle Pendigraft, final thought. Um, actually, I've got two final thoughts uh, real quick here. Uh, first one, I want to say Happy Memorial Day to everybody uh, coming up. Uh, thank you to all the veterans out there. Um, this day is for you. Uh, everyone else, please enjoy your weekends and have fun. Um, second thing is um, tonight we are kicking off the iRacing iRock Challenge Series race. Um, so if you can't make it live to the event on YouTube on Ultimate Dirt TV, uh, be sure to check it out uh, on their page. Uh, it'll be available once the race is over as well. Um, so with that being said, that's all I got. All right. I hope I win that raffle. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, man, I'm Coke 600. It's a little long for me. I'm not a fan of the long races. I, I really like the half-distance ones. My back... This is going to be toast after four hours. But, you know, I've been running this series forever, and I'm going to keep running it, and I have one of the most starts out of everybody, so I, I need that start. I need those points. I need to get my points for the week and, and get out. And uh, 
And that's the trick, man, with the drop weeks. If you point up every week, uh, you're, you're going to have a good result. So that's the goal. We'll get some results. Uh, I don't know if I'm a contender or not, but uh, we'll go get it. And with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.